And today is going to be another interesting show. We're going to have a conversation with Alistair. He's a student at Lake Superior State University in their cannabis studies program. And he took it upon himself to start a cannabis studies club. So we're going to call him right now and find out what his thoughts about going to school for cannabis, how that's been, if he thinks it's worth it, what he's getting from it, and then just get an idea of what it's like to be a student in cannabis studies. So let's get on the phone with Alistair right now. Hello, hello. Hey, Alistair, this is Matt Hoffman. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Nice to, uh, nice to hear from you, Matt. Yeah, you as well. So yeah, thanks for participating in the show and uh, sharing your story, oh. insights, experience. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, giving me a place to say my piece, I guess. <laughs> I don't know exactly what I have to say, but uh, you know, any, any way I can get our program's intentions out there into the world is good enough for me. Well, yeah. A lot of people don't even on up in our neck of the woods and it's really cool so it's good to be able to tell people about it which you hit the nail right on the head that's exactly what i wanted to talk to you about so if you would just give us a little bit of your background who are you what are you about and and what are you up to okay so my name is alistair gibbu i'm a fourth year at lake superior state university and i'm studying cannabis business and aquaponic entrepreneurship um, I'm one of the founding members of the Cannabis Studies Club up here, which is just a student-led, student-run organization of mostly cannabis-specific majors at Lake State. And we're just organized together trying to educate our community, our campus, basically anybody who will listen about not only cannabis in general, but like the work we're doing here on campus that is specifically making a difference and uh, or hope to make a difference in the near future once things open up a little bit because i don't know if if people are very familiar with lake state it's not a huge school but we have some of the most state-of-the-art cannabis production and testing labs basically i mean we have all of the the lab equipment to do full hydrocarbon extraction solventless extraction um, all kinds of different production and then also all of the testing capabilities that safety compliance facility would have. So we've got a lot of cool equipment to work with up here as well as a bunch of really, really intelligent professors and even students that, you know, know how to use that equipment. And it's, it's very cool to be able to be on a campus that is progressive enough to say, hey, let's build a cannabis center of excellence and, you know, put our put our kind of not, I don't want to say reputation on the line because I, I'm very against the stigma that cannabis gets stuck with, but it, it people are not as progressive as uh, we are here, I guess, in the idea that cannabis should be fully accepted and embraced. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think it's putting it on the line. I mean, it was one of the first programs in the country with, uh, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you guys have a whole a whole curriculum. So your your course title, your degree title is very interesting. So what other degrees are available at Lake Superior? So, I mean, we have a full course catalog full of other non-cannabis specific things, but the cannabis specific programs that we're offering right now, uh, we have cannabis business and cannabis chemistry, and those are bachelors. And then we have associate's degrees. I believe there's a an associate version of the cannabis business. There's a cannabis science associate, which is just a scaled back version of the cannabis chemistry degree. And then there's also a cannabis production certificate, which is, uh, I don't want to say bare bones, but it's really none of the fluff that comes with, you know, fulfilling associates and bachelor's requirements. And it's literally only the classes needed 
for cannabis production experience. So that might be somebody who's already got a little bit of, you know, general chemistry and lab understanding. And then they're just tacking on like a cannabis production certificate onto like a general chemistry bachelor's or something else. But that cannabis production certificate is really interesting to me. That was just added this semester and it's a really streamlined process. So that's something even that somebody who maybe isn't on a college track already, they look at that and they go, okay, that's, that's 12 or 16 credits. That's something that I could do in one semester. So that's not, you know, it's a two year set aside plan for like an associates or something. That's something that's a little more attainable for people that don't necessarily want the traditional college two year, four year experience. Yeah. So did you have, uh, how are you involved if at all with cannabis before you started school? So I've had my med card since I was 18. Um, that's probably my my foremost association with cannabis. And I was going into college wanting to study business. I didn't exactly know what direction I wanted to go in, but my dad was a small business owner and I saw how working for himself led to a, a you know, a specific type of lifestyle that I wanted to achieve someday. So I was just very business oriented going in. And then uh, end of my sophomore year, I believe, or maybe it was beginning of my sophomore year, cannabis chemistry and business courses were introduced at this uh, at the university I'm going to. And I was just kind of like, hey, that's, you know, right now I'm studying business with no specific focus. Right now, I don't exactly know what I'm going to do, but I could choose this path. And the more I got down the path of, uh, I started with cannabis cultivation, like I started uh, getting really into growing and took a couple of horticulture classes. So not necessarily cannabis specific in the classes I was taking, but I got really into horticulture, agriculture, um, just all kinds of growing and, and with a focus on sustainability as well. So I guess now um, that I've, I've gone down the, the rabbit hole of like, hey, what are all of these great things that cannabis can uh, can do for communities, can do for other kinds of people, and also including hemp, because hemp is a big thing that I think is getting underlooked uh, by a lot of just the cannabis-specific people at my school. I, I would say my, my association with cannabis now is just the fact that I am trying to make sure that the curriculum here at Lake State reflects accurately what the industry professionals are looking for, because I think whenever you try to approach something like cannabis from a university and academic standpoint, you're going to have a lot of people talking at you from a academic perspective in which, you know, for the last, you know, hundred plus years, academically cannabis has been like a no, no, like it's not something that we look at in a scientific way. And I think that now that that is changing on campus, it's imperative that we talk to the people that have been doing it, in the real practical realm. So the caregivers and the people that established the markets in 2008 when it became legal at first, and even the people who were doing it before then, when if you got caught growing uh, pot for patients, you know, even if that was your goal and you understood that 40 years ago when nobody else did, uh, your life got torn apart because of it. And I think it's just really important to get the perspective of those kinds of people into the academic lens, because I feel like there's a lot of uh, potential for cannabis to be corporatized and I don't necessarily want to say whitewashed, but I, I think that there's a, a big uh, potential for people who started in the industry and made a lot of the headway in the early days 
who were disproportionately disadvantaged by the war on drugs to get swept under the rug and get taken over by the academics and the, the white collar investors and the people who can donate $3 million to build a laboratory on campus, which is great and wonderful. But I just want to make sure that the intentions are pure and not for profit, uh, so to speak. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's a that's a really good perspective. And it's definitely good to keep the the history and the the legacy of of cannabis in mind it is for sure something that gives but it's also something that takes and yeah it's it's taken quite a bit from quite a bit of quite a bit of people and typically those are black and brown people or or poor white Absolutely. people and uh mm-hmm. and they're they're often overlooked and, and forgotten and kind of left to the wayside and that's a problem and yeah. there are there are organizations and companies that that help remedy that problem, but it's a it's a big problem and it takes it takes a lot of effort. I think that by and large, if we did look at the cannabis industry, it is predominantly white, and mm-hmm. that's something that is is changing. And there are there are good actors and there are bad actors for sure. And we just mm-hmm. we just had a podcast with Nicole West. And she painted a very scary picture of what the industry is and and the bad actors are. And so yep. it's good to get that the academic perspective, especially in some of the science-based curriculums. But it's also important Absolutely. to understand the functional reality of the world that that perspective and graduating students will be entering. So what are some of the things that that you've learned at Lake Superior State that were surprising that you didn't know about, about cannabis, just in general? In all honesty, so far, I've only taken probably three cannabis-specific courses in my course load so far, um, and I've got probably 10-ish left. But in a lot of my other courses, I see, like, for example, I had an entrepreneurship course. Professor of the entrepreneurship course is... Uh, very progressive in my opinion but when i went to write up my business plan for the course and it was a cannabis business it was very jarring for him it was like oh i don't know anything about this or blah 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 Mm. and it was i had to work through that with him even at a school that's pushing the cannabis business he's not necessarily a cannabis specific professor he doesn't have any cannabis specific experience so for me to do my entire business plan, which was like the final culminating project for that course, was write up a full fleshed out business plan, uh, pitch deck and all. And it, it, it's just, even people who think of themselves as progressive, or it's not even so much the progressive idea, it's just accepting of cannabis. Um, there's still that, I don't necessarily want to use the word ignorance, but it is. It's, it's a lack of understanding of the industry and the motivations behind people in the industry. So, for example, I my business plan was a very, uh, very rough idea of some sort of compassion club. It was a social consumption or a designated consumption establishment with a uh, compassion club component. And he was very, uh, he 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 didn't understand at all why I would purposely structure the business in a way that my my profit margins were lower even though it increased access to medicine for patients. Hmm. And so that was a big thing for me is that you have, you have business professors 
trying to teach you how to sell marijuana, but they're looking at it through a different lens than I am because I was saying, okay, the Eastern UP is a very poor demographic area when you look at socioeconomic uh, standards. So, the, you know, median income is very low here. Uh, cost of living isn't high or anything, but like it, it's, it's not an area with super great access to, you know, well-paying jobs or anything like that. Uh, high uh, demographic for veterans. A lot of people in the Upper Peninsula are veterans. So there are a lot of people up here on lower fixed incomes that can't afford to drive down state to Bay City to get better deals on cannabis or can't afford to drive out to Marquette to hit one of their dispensaries, which by no or Houghton or anything, which not at their fault. It's so expensive to buy medicine from those dispensaries just because of the way the industry is set up and supply lines and getting secure transport and getting things tested. So if you have like a UP grower, then they have to take it downstate to get it tested or very near downstate. And then it has to go back up all via secure transport. So each time it changes hands, it's getting more and more expensive. And right now the industry is being set up in a way where they don't care. You know, they think that that middleman creates another job, which, you know, helps. But also if the, if the end goal is getting affordable medicine to patients to get them off of things like opioids and things of that nature, then I don't want my driving force at the end of the day, the end all be all to be profit margin. I want to be able to pay my bills and make sure my costs are covered. But if I don't have to price gouge, I won't. If I, if I have a compassion club component where easy access to affordable medicine for veterans who need it is like a priority of mine, I will increase that and decrease my profit margin if that's a possibility. And that was a sticking point where I, I actually like got marked points down on my business proposal for that. And I had to argue with them about it. I had to say, hey, look, you know, when you write, when you, when you look at a business, you have to look at what are you trying, the pain point you're trying to solve and how effective you are at doing so, and then make sure that you're profitable. As an entrepreneurial mindset, he had that flip and he was just like, okay, you use the pain point as a tool to make as much profit as possible, where I don't agree with that mindset. So that's, that's one of the things I would say. I, you asked me what I learned and I kind of rambled, but my point is I've learned that cannabis is its own, it, it's its own beast in the business world because there's people who want to use it for pure profit and there's people who understand the healing and medicinal properties of the plant. And those two people are going to have radically different ways of which they approach the business. Yeah. Well, and the good news is, is that as an entrepreneur, you can do whatever the hell you want. I mean, that's, exactly. that's a great thing. So the fact that you're, you're getting an education, a formal education is, it's going to be helpful. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. There's a certain there's a certain attitude in entrepreneurs where it it's a rebellious streak of eh, you know what I don't care I'm going to do what I want and um, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I I wouldn't I wouldn't lose too much sleep about the great the, the markdown grades. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know there's a lot of different ways to do this business mm-hmm. and there there may not be a a, a right way or a wrong way, but there's ways that work and ways that don't. And mm-hmm. as a business owner, you have to figure that out for yourself. And it sounds like you're putting a lot of thought and, and time into that. And once you get it up and going, you'll figure it out. 
<laughs> that's part of the entrepreneurial journey. And so it sounds like you've, you've bumped into some of the stigma or some of the challenges around the industry, but how did your friends and family take, take you declaring a cannabis major? So friends, I would say a lot of them were supportive because a lot of my friends, not to be crass, but uh, whether they're in legal states, illegal states, whatever, um, are pro-cannabis. They want it to be legal where they're at if it's not, or if it is, they partake. Um, and so they were all like, wow, that's incredible. Uh, a lot of my friends are also in college just because of my age. And uh, it was very, I got a lot of support from that end. My family, on the other hand, um, a lot of them are very conservative. And one thing that I think is uh, particularly telling is the fact that my mother right now is actually going through chemotherapy and using cannabis to supplement that treatment. She uses RSO sometimes or uh, edibles, um, helps with the symptoms of chemotherapy, the side effects. And her, as somebody who is uh, getting older, using cannabis to, uh, you know, uh, instead of painkillers or other kinds of drugs or anything, she understands that the more natural remedy is sometimes the best remedy. And yet she still has a hard time telling people about, you know, oh, openly, I use cannabis, you know, it helps me with this. Because her group of friends, you know, she's older and she has this group of friends around her that's very conservative. Um, doesn't necessarily see cannabis in as the same way as they would like taking a painkiller prescribed by a doctor. And it's sad because somebody in her position could be an advocate for, uh, for cannabis as a treatment, as an alternative to other medicines that uh, leave you with all kinds of other side effects that aren't, aren't preferential. Um, but she can't because she's afraid of the social kickback of, you know, what are my closest friends that I've known for 40 years going to say if they think I'm some pothead? And it's, it's actually kind of sad. Um, but hopefully the point of me going through, not just me, but hopefully the, the change in the stigma in the social realm today will allow for, you know, more people to be open and honest about their cannabis use. Yeah. And that, and that takes time. And, that has changed at lightning speed and there still is, mm -hmm. there still is a pretty deep stigma around it. I mean, people that are, how old are you? I'm 21. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So people that are around your age or younger have a totally different perspective on it than our parents, you know, the baby boomers. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it just, it yep. just takes time. It does. But a lot of it is, people's opinions change when it it touches their lives. And then it's mm -hmm. the people that were like, Oh, well, I don't know about this. And then they find relief through it. Then, you know, because it's, if a stranger comes and tells me something, I'm, I'll be like, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe I'll listen to that. But if my best friend comes and tells me the same thing, then I'll probably do it because I trust my friend. Exactly. So that's, it, it seems to be spreading in that way. So what do you think some of the, what do you think some of the advantages to getting a degree in cannabis studies are giving you? So um, 
I'll be completely honest. I see college in general as more of a you get in or you get out what you put in type of deal. So, so I could easily be taking courses and not soaking up any information and yada, yada, yada. Um, but I think the, the real value in it, right, isn't the necessarily all the busy work assignments that professors hand out and this and that. It's being able to pick your professor's brains about things in the industry that are important right now and, and what the academic perspective is on it and then being able to juxtapose that with people in the industry that I've met through networking and other, other just bumping into people, I guess, or even through the university, through networking, through their facilities. Um, but so I guess it wouldn't necessarily be the day to day, like, Oh, I'm learning how to do the general chemistry behind this and this and this, because I'll be completely honest. I believe that you can learn anything that you can learn in a university on your own with enough time and determination. Mm. Like the internet is incredible. Like uh, you can go to future 420 and, and become a master extractor on your own if you put in the time and the effort and talk to people who are much smarter than you like there are those resources out there that being said a university campus is that culmination of that that feeling of we're all here to learn we're all here to ask questions and understand better so being able to have uh 20 people around my age or even older than me um the president of the cannabis studies club i'll shout him out grant evans uh he's an awesome guy he started the cannabis studies club at lake state uh last year um because he is a nurse working in bay city right now and he works in uh geriatrics and he sees how cannabis can be applied to the nursing industry and yet it's still such a no-no like that's that's not something people talk about as a nurse he is like he can't prescribe people medicine as his job title or whatever that's not his exact role but there's a lot of times where he sees these older people getting prescribed lists and lists of medication when a lot of times cannabis might also solve that problem with you know less less medication um from pharmacies and people when when we organize and when we share ideas with each other and when we can have that open collective collaborative discussion that's where the real value is for me being a student studying cannabis business with like-minded individuals um so it's not so much exactly what i'm learning in class although that's helpful that's why i'm here like i'm learning that knowledge um but i could learn that elsewhere if i really really tried to wanted to i wouldn't get a fancy piece of paper that uh employers could look at and say oh he definitely knows his stuff but if it came down to it I, I could still know my stuff. Uh, I think the biggest bonus is definitely that, that ability to just learn, that ability to collaborate and get, like I have a certain perspective on the world because of how I grew up and how I was raised, where I was and what I've encountered. Uh, Brant being a nurse in his mid forties, who's been an established, he has an established career for 20 plus years. He already has a couple degrees. He came back to Lake State to take cannabis chemistry courses to change his degree to, to change his career to trajectory because he saw that there was a pain point that needed solving and that he could do something to help it. And that's to me the value. Um, just just seeing all those different opinions and walks of life coming together and collaborating and sharing ideas because I think the university 
atmosphere is great for uh, all of those ideas coming together into something bigger than the sum of the parts. So you feel like it's full immersion? Absolutely, yeah. So they've given us a lot of opportunities here to help direct where the curriculum goes because it's not often that you're at a university and they launch a new program and then they ask the students to say, hey, what do you want us to teach you? But they basically did that because we were an established club uh, alongside the establishment of the cannabis uh, science and business programs. And we had cannabis science and business majors in our organization. Us as the cannabis studies club, we were able to say, hey, there are certain skills that we're seeing, uh, we're seeing people in the industry or asking on interviews and things like that that isn't in your curriculum. So we're seeing things that need to be added to, to your curriculum in order for us to be successful graduates of your program and get into the industry in Michigan. And they listen. So mm. that's incredible to me because I've always held this view of like, it's a little cynical, but it's really hard to get things done on a scale of like university administration. And typically that's true um, at bigger schools, but Lake State's size, I think, has made it really a lot easier for me to say, hey, I need to meet with the dean of this school and get a date within a reasonable time and they care and they listen to what we have to say um, because they know that if they're making curriculum that we're not happy with, we're not going to get the benefit out of it, right? We're not going to take the, we're not going to know what we need to know when we get out of here. And they really genuinely want us to succeed. So it's, it has been cool. It's been frustrating at times working with university admin and me being kind of a cynical person towards, you know, bloated administrations and, and things kind of getting caught up in the cogs and, you know, people put requests in and they never get fixed and yada, yada. Um, They've been actually very accommodating. I must say Lake State has worked with us uh, pretty well to, to address our concerns as an organization. Yeah, that's, that's kind of an yeah. opportunity. I mean, that's, that's really cool that, I mean, yeah, of course, there's, there's a bit of bureaucracy. But the fact that they are even soliciting your opinions is, I mean, that's fantastic. So, yeah. Thinking about your your career pathway, are you going to go work for somebody and then become an entrepreneur, or are you just going to dive into the entrepreneur thing? So my my career path, right? I always I grew up and I'm like I want to go into business. I didn't exactly know what or how or when or why I was going to do, but I'm like I'm going to do something of my own. Now, I I plan on working for and with other people throughout my whole life because I don't think that being an entrepreneur means mutually exclusive. I can only work for myself. Um, but I'm really open to the idea of like sweat equity, right? So if I go and I internship for somebody and they pay me in knowledge that they've gained over the last 20 years that they can short form into my brain via a summer worth of experience that they don't have to pay me for, that I, that's that's perfect to me. I did that last summer on a permaculture farm out in Marquette. And it, that to me is incredible. So I'm not, a, you know, I'm not against working for or with others, but I know that I want to run something of my own that not necessarily has my name on it. I don't want the recognition and all that, but I want it to be 
uh, a labor of my love. I want my labor hours to be working towards my dream and not necessarily building somebody else's dream mm. at the expense of my own. Um, that being said, being at university, kind of to relate it back to your last question, another amazing thing about university is that I really didn't have an exact focus when I got here, but I kind of done a 180. Like I'm, I'm very interested in business. I'm, I would consider myself a, somewhat well-versed in how business works. I'm no expert by any means, but I know that I don't want to go into corporate, uh, corporate anything, corporate. I, I don't want to work for some big company. Um, and I've gotten to delve really into biology and agriculture and identifying things that I see as pain points in the industry, like our food supply lines and the fact that we have horrible, horrible ways of farming and raising crops and livestock that suck the nutrients out of our soil and it's unsustainable and I see a lot of really really cool things happening on this campus as well as being involved with cannabis uh I'm involved in the aquaculture club here on campus which we do a lot of work with um aquaponics which is what my associates is I I have an associate uh on my degree path which is aquaponic entrepreneurship so, yeah, so right for, the people that, for the people that don't know what that is, what, what is that? So real quick oversimplification, aquaculture <laughs> is raising fish. Aquaculture is like fish farming. Uh, and then, uh, so hydroponics would be growing, uh, horticulturally or agriculturally without soil is a mixture of fish farming and crop growing without soil. Um, that being said, there are modified versions of aquaponics which actually do use soil or other grow mediums. There's IAVs, you use sand, there's all types of different stuff. Um, but the main thing being you're growing plants with fish waste. So you filter out uh, the fish waste or you filter the fish waste and then the ammonia becomes nitrate through the bacteria in the filter tank and or the grow bed, depending on how your system is set up. And basically, it's a closed loop self-sustaining system so it, you have to cycle the nitrogen through it at first but once you get it going it basically sustains itself so the fish feed the plants and then the plants help feed the fish and it's it's a whole or the, the plants help keep the ecosystem the water uh in in good ranges for the fish to survive i should say and it's just a version of sustainable and regenerative agriculture that needs to be explored more. So that's, that's where my focus has been the last year or so I've been taking less business classes as I'm nearing the end of my business degree. I've been taking less business courses and more biology, horticultural, agricultural, uh, aquaculture, uh, just plant, fish, science, entomology, ecology, sustainability type stuff. So, my basically i want to be a farmer you know like i i said when i was a little kid i wanted to be a businessman suit and tie uh now at 21 years old i want to be a farmer with a straw hat and overalls in the middle <laughs> of the woods growing cannabis hemp a variety of vegetables fish i want to basically run a big permaculture homestead on which i can get the people around me in my area access to clean uh, affordable medicine while also helping establish a better food culture, a better supply line. I want to work with co-ops. I want to help people understand that it's 
100% understandable why you don't grow your own food because it's hard and it's overwhelming. But once you learn a little bit, it really is doable. Like I'm on a 40 by 150 city lot here in Sault Ste. Marie and like right downtown, right behind War Memorial Hospital. And I am land. I, I have a couple of years of summer landscaping experience just from uh, when I was younger. And I am landscaping out my whole backyard as a perma- uh, permaculture food forest. Hmm. So my idea is to use that as kind of proof of concept towards my business idea, which is going to be, call it Upper Peninsula Permaculture for now, I don't know, but some sort of uh, <laughs> auxiliary business. So you could have like a homestead on which you make products, and then you could have an auxiliary consulting and landscaping uh, contracting business where I go and I help other people realize their property's full potential. Because right now I see so many people with gorgeous plots of land uh, not using them to their full potential or like where I see land that's uh, not flourishing and it's like because of the way the roads were built. So the water table's all messed up in that area. So I can go around doing a restorative ecology um, and and bringing the natural wildlife habitats back to their full potential because a lot of it's really intuitive when you understand permaculture and you understand how all of the environmental factors uh, shape the land that you're on. It's really an incredible thing to be able to like trench out a swale and then allow for water access to move freely across the property. And that fixes like a myriad of problems that the, that the property's having. Maybe it stops flooding out when it rains because the water has better flow rates and the, the water table is better, uh, less saturated up top so you can grow better crops or a more variety of crops on your land. So there are so many things that you can do just by understanding the earth you're on top of that make the earth healthier. And cannabis and hemp play a huge role in that because I'm sure, as you know, hemp has a, a huge potential for, uh, a, a, there's a bunch of different uses. You can make flooring out of it. You can make paper out of it. Uh, there's a lot of different building materials being made out of hemp and mixing it with other natural building materials. People are making like uh, hemp cree and all kinds of stuff that I think we should absolutely be exploring more. So if I can help educate people about the, uh, uses of hemp in uh, restorative ecology and how much of a carbon uh, sink you can be like you can you can really help the environment around you by just treating the earth right and cannabis and hemp have a huge role to play in that. So you think the education that you're receiving from Lake Superior is preparing you for that? I, yes, I absolutely believe so. We have a, a greenhouse on campus and a hoop house, which is teaching me all about horticulture, agriculture. Um, we're doing different cool projects with uh, different types of organic gardening. Um, it, no cannabis, it no, was not no hemp, food, no marijuana? Never. Uh, well, actually, here's the thing. We can't grow anything that's hot on campus, so above 0.3% THC because we're a federally funded university. Mm -hmm. So that's been a big sticking point with administration as well, where even though we have all the lab equipment to, you know, test and produce THC, we cannot, because if we do, our federal funding is at risk. And since it's still federally illegal schedule one, they don't want to take that risk because they're not willing to have Lake Superior State University go bankrupt, lose all nine, 
plus employees and all of the students that are enrolled over one or right. two course offerings that they have. Yeah. So it's sad, but for right now, all we have is hemp. Um, but that being said, hemp is very similar in a lot of ways. We can do a lot of analysis in lab. It's just we're looking at different cannabinoids and terpenes, and the plant structure is a little a little bit different depending on what you're looking at, uh, agricultural versus industrial hemp. So we haven't been able to dive deep into uh, what I would call retail and or medical marijuana yet. Um, I mean, I don't know. CBD comes from hemp. You, you can make medicine out of hemp, but there's a lot of medicinal marijuana that is off limits to us because of the THC limit set by the federal government. Yeah. So what has your, how has your expectations matched up against the reality of entering into the cannabis space? Like, So I guess I would say my expectation was, I don't even, I guess the best way to say this is that my expectation was that entering into the cannabis space was going to kind of just obliterate that stigma and everybody was going to talk about it openly and honestly. And yet I still see people um, in my, like people who are taking cannabis courses with me, cannabis programs with me. It's hard to, to say that for the first time, I guess it's, it's difficult for people to, um, to get over that and kind of say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm studying cannabis chemistry and I'm taking, you know, all these courses. I'm, I'm looking at this stuff because they don't want to be stigmatized immediately. Um, so if they're like, I, I know people who are studying chemistry with a concentration in cannabis, but when they're talking to certain people, they'll just say I'm a chemistry student and not mention cannabis whatsoever. Um, and I, I, it's it's hard to say why if it's if it's them, it, or what what driving factors that is. But I, I don't know. I thought it would be easier to talk about cannabis openly and honestly. Uh, but so, like for example, in my sociology of cannabis class, uh, I got reprimanded by the professor for speaking openly and honest, honestly about my cannabis use. So. I said, I raised my hand and I said in class in front of the whole lecture, I'm like, yeah, I'm a medical marijuana patient. I've had my med card for the last three years. And uh, it, there was some question about, um, I don't even remember what the question was, but my point being, it wasn't okay in the professor's eyes for me to, in front of everybody, talk about my cannabis use personally, mm. because that's not appropriate for, for campus. And I'm, <laughs> my, it, it's just, it's crazy to me because that's the whole point, right? Like, isn't, isn't the whole point of what we're doing here on campus to destigmatize? And if you're going to stop people from sharing personal experience, that is furthering the stigma. So I, and I really don't mean to like, I'm not trashing anybody on campus because it's not professors in particular. It's not admin in particular. It's just, it is such a hard thing from an academic standpoint. Cause we have, we have professors here that aren't, they don't have anything to do with the cannabis program and they honestly think it's a joke, uh, which sucks in my opinion, but it's, it's certain professors who you can tell have certain political leanings have certain ideologies that, you know, younger, more progressive professors might not. And it, it is just sad that we can't talk openly and honestly about it with everybody yet for fear of being put into a box. Um, that being said, 
the professors that do uh, allow you to talk openly and honestly are wonderful. And they, as there are some professors that will, will encourage you to talk openly and honestly and share personal experience and all of this. But uh, it, it's not universal yet. And it's uh, like, sometimes I'll go on, uh, I'll be on Facebook and I'll share something uh, about the cannabis industry in Michigan or something. And I'll be talking to somebody and they're like, oh, well, what do you do at school? And I'll tell them I study cannabis business and they laugh at me and it's like, oh, you know, you didn't have to pay money to a university to learn that. I could have taught And it's like, oh yeah, okay. yes and no, right? Like you yeah. can learn a certain amount on black market. You know, everybody's got an uncle or cousin that, you know, used to sell weed and talks about it. And it's like, ah, I could have taught you all that. But no, you really couldn't. You could have taught me your experience and your side of things. And that's valuable, but it's not all. It's not, it's not all of the information. The being able to look at it from an academic lens and learn how different markets across the states, like learning how different states that have legalized marijuana that regulated it in different ways, set up different laws and regulations, how their economies based around marijuana have been totally different. You have some states that regulate it into oblivion so that there's medical marijuana, but there's not access to good medical marijuana for everybody that's affordable because like uh i think it was just florida that just uh just now started allowing edibles or anything and it's like well okay what if you have somebody who who has copd who can't smoke so and then the only medical marijuana offered is flour so okay well that's a huge part of your demographic that you can just not sell to so they're going to go to the black market and get edibles their way so there's a huge, a huge uh, benefit to being able to look at things like systematically and go, okay, here's what happened when these laws were put in place in this state, and this is what happened in their markets. Here's what happened in this state, and here's what's currently happening in Michigan. And in real time, especially being a cannabis patient, um, I can see it. When I walk into a dispensary, I can see the supply issues. I can see when they ask me to sign a waiver saying that half of their product is untested because it's caregiver product. And then I can see when they're no longer allowed to even sell caregiver products because of the MRA. So I see these things affecting our market in real time from both an academic perspective as well as a consumer perspective. Yeah. So you brought up a, you brought up a good point there where it's like, yo, why would you go to college? I could just teach you. I know everything. Cause I'm the best. At I've heard cannabis. that. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I deal with that quite a bit, and um, the egos—the egos in cannabis are—I <laughs> don't know. I, it's it's astounding, and I go, okay, well, you know, whip it out. Come on, let, let's see. Yeah. Talking all this shit about, oh, I'm the best. Okay, well, prove it. Let's have a conversation. And yeah, they're yep. they're they're completely inept, and they're just running their mouth. And there's a a tremendous amount of that. And so I'm curious. How much shit gets talked to you for for taking a dedicated college class? Like how much how much shit do you get for that? So I mean, like I said, there are even professors on campus who give us shit for it. So it's it there are some people on campus who are super open and encouraging and like, yo, this is an awesome thing that we're doing and they understand. Whereas there are some people, especially in the community too, because uh, when I when I was saying earlier about how progressive we were in this area, I was kind of misspeaking. 
the community on campus and the scientific part of campus is very progressive in their beliefs. The community at whole, as Sault Ste. Marie, is a very, very red, conservative uh, place. And there are a lot of people here that still are like, oh, cannabis, we need to get these, these evil people off the streets. So, so like I've gone to city commission meetings where uh, our cannabis studies club was actually involved in um, the ordinances that were drafted for Sault Ste. Marie. We would go to the city commission meetings. We would uh, talk about different things that the ordinances had in them when they were drafted and what we thought of them, what our input was, uh, giving our input to our local uh, officials. And we had people at the meeting on the commission saying, this is dumb. I don't see why this is on the agenda. Table this for next meeting. And I'm like, sir, I'm a homeowner within your community taking college courses at the college, which is the second biggest employer <laughs> in the Sioux and or third or fourth or something like that. And, and you're telling me that I'm going to graduate with a cannabis specific degree, very specialized. And you want me to leave. You're telling me you don't want anything to do with the industry and that you want it to stay away from the Sioux. So you want every other community around us to benefit and you want me to go to one of those other communities and spend my money there and impact those local economies instead of yours. And so Mm. even people on the city commission uh, have given us shit. Like they, they look at us and it's like, Oh, we're studying pot at college. And it's like, no, we're studying cannabis chemistry at a university with incredibly intelligent professors and faculty. So it, it really does grind my gears a little bit when people look at it as, oh, you're, uh, you're learning how to sling dime bags. And it's like, <laughs> no, if that's what you got from my conversation with you, then you weren't listening. So well, and, and I, I have gotten quite a lot of that. They, they walked you with their ears closed to begin with. I mean, yeah. And I, I have another thing to bring up also. Hmm. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to put anybody on blast or anything, but I do have a good friend here. I know that, uh, your business is very supportive of veterans. Uh, yeah. I know you're very supportive of veterans. Um, I have a buddy who is a veteran. He served like three years. Uh, and he came, to, he came back to Michigan where he's from. Uh, and then he was like, you know what? I want to, I want to go to Lake State because he came back from, uh, from service and got his med card. And he's like, okay, well, I'm not active duty anymore or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I have a med card. I understand the medical benefits of cannabis. I'm learning. He didn't used to be so pro-cannabis, but now he is because the military is very against cannabis in a lot of ways and you're not allowed to use and so on and so forth. So he came back here and I'm not super familiar with it. I, is it uh, GI benefits or whatever that pays for your college after you serve? Yeah, it's a GI um, benefit. He had one semester where he was undeclared at Lake State and that paid for his college but then once he declared his major as cannabis cannabis business uh they stopped paying for his college wow which is yeah that's that's a really horrible and disgusting despicable thing in my eyes uh and that's just something that he has to deal with and he's basically like i either change my degree into something well, that I'm less happy. Hang on, I'm, I, no, I'm all fired up about this because that's fucking bullshit. 
And, uh, and so this is, this is something that's within my power. What I'd like to do is get his contact information and I, I, I do professional fundraising for, for our cannabis, which is a nonprofit workforce development organization. Mm -hmm. And, and I work with, and, and we have very, very generous people that support all sorts of organizations, specifically veteran and cannabis organizations. And I want to, I want to go and I want to talk to them and see if we can fundraise to get his, to get his tuition. Cause that's fucking bullshit on so many levels. It's it, so it, wrong. It really is. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, it, it's that's pretty not okay. Up. And I've so. got my own ideas about, you know, the military and things that they do that I don't agree with, that I won't get into. Yeah, we're not even getting into that. that. <laughs> if somebody serves their country and you say you'll pay for their education right. afterwards, right. it's bullshit. And, well, and, and the fact is, is that the, the cannabis industry is the single greatest economic opportunity for individuals in our entire lifetime. There has never been an opportunity for career, for the lowest point of entry for for a career. And then to have a career just grow like a weed you know, I have a guy that that we've helped. He's been promoted three times in the last year, and he's about to take over the entire region of West Michigan of a of a, of a scaled multi state operator. And it's because he it's got in the industry, and that's all he that's all he had was effort and attitude. That was it. And so the fact that this is a person who served our country, and this is a person who is is taking the time to better themselves and create the best opportunity for themselves for their career, and then to have the door slammed in their face. That's, that's not right. And as a community, we can do something about that. And we're fucking going to, so I'm super fired up. I, I agree. I, I can totally get you his contact information. Yeah, please do. That, so he is somebody that I think you would have a very, uh, like you would get along with very well. He's an amazing guy. His name's Matt. Um, but he, he is also in the cannabis studies club and he's trying to voice these concerns as well. So that's another one of those things that we get to do as an organized student body, like, we're stronger together with a bigger voice and a bigger microphone yeah. when we can get together and go, Hey, we have these 20 students standing behind this one student who's being unfairly treated. Let's fix this. And so one thing that we've actually kicked the can around and talked about is what if we were to set up some sort of scholarship that yep. was for uh, military, uh, like only, uh, only veterans or only people actively in and out of the military, however we structure it, but specifically for, uh, veterans who want to study cannabis, chemistry, or business, or whatever, uh, but can't secure federal funding for it. Yeah, I, that's what I have written down on my on my notes. Here is a scholarship. That's exactly what it is. So that that would be amazing. I mean, if we could, if we, and that's something that our club could do. Like our club holds fundraiser events for things for us to do, like uh, go to conferences, go tour facilities. Uh, but if we could do a fundraiser twice a year and all the money raised from the fundraiser went towards that scholarship fund, and then maybe we got a couple people from the industry to match what our, you know, contributions were, yeah. you know, maybe we could pay for one or two persons tuitions well, every semester. That'd, that'd be awesome. You know, as a, as a fundraiser and as a chair of a nonprofit that, that focuses on this, um, this is middle of the road for our mission and our values. And mm -hmm this is something that I think is compelling and, and it's a problem that needs to be solved. And I'm, more, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to support that. So that leads to, that leads to another question that popped up. What, uh, what, what industry organizations or, or companies are supporting 
are supporting uh, your club or that are involved with the university? Um, so, uh, let me not butcher this. Uh, I don't want to disrespect anything. ELNR, Great Lakes Natural Resources, I think. Um, they donated quite a bit of money to our uh, chemistry program to help build the lab upstairs in Crawford Hall. Um, so they donated quite, it was quite a bit of money. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to butcher the exact amount cause I'm not sure, That's okay. but them as well as Agilent Technologies and, um, what was the other one? Extraction Tech. Uh, they have both done a lot of work with our chemistry department. Um, not only just installing lab equipment, uh, hydrocarbon extraction, short path distillation, all kinds of cool stuff, um, for testing and safety compliance. But they've also spent a lot of time with our professors, uh, the, the heads of the school. So, like, that would be uh, Ben Southwell and uh, uh, Dean Johnson and other people who are in the classroom teaching students. Uh, they've spent time teaching them how to use the equipment properly and understand it. And because uh, it's, it's really cool, actually, watching them, because uh, there were a couple times when Agilent was like in the building when the lab was being built and the door was open and Southwell could kind of like, like if we'd walk by, we could ask questions and stuff. And, and it was cool watching them learn. It was cool watching professors, like very academic people, like very smart, intelligent, academic minded people learning how to use this awesome technology Mm. for, uh, you know, THC production, extraction, yada, yada from, these guys from you know extraction tech and agilent technologies because it's like two worlds colliding um not that agilent and extraction tech aren't academic in their own sense but it's like it's it's foreign to a lot of people on campus and it's just very cool to watch those minds like bounce off each other and watch them like ask questions and and then you see our professors understanding things because of their extensive extensive chemistry knowledge that you know, most people have to get explained to in depth and they're like, Oh no, I totally get it. That makes so much sense. Mm. Um, so those, those lab equipment companies have been uh, very helpful. We've had, um, I'm trying to think of who else we had oh. classic roots farms down yeah. in Kalkaska. Michael um, Elias came up, didn't he? What was that? Michael Elias came up, didn't he? From common citizen. Might- I know that I he went to Northern. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe he did to do like a talk or something. Yeah. Um, we, that's another thing we have. We have professors in the, so in like the survey of cannabis business course, Coral Fritz, um, she's the professor of that. She has guest lectures in all the time. So she has people come in and just do, you know, Zoom meetings where like she'll have everybody come to class and then 45 minutes of class is just a discussion with somebody who like mm. owns a cultivating facility. Or yeah. Facility. I'm actually, I'm actually doing that next I'm doing that next week with Grand Valley State University's hospitality and tourism awesome. management with an emphasis on cannabis. And yeah, that's awesome. I yeah. could give you Coral's uh, information and she could set you up a, a guest lecture talk if that's something. Oh, yeah, that'd be, be fun. Your, yeah, I, so we have all kinds of opportunities for uh, people in the industry to just say their piece and, and talk about what they do. That's something that the Cannabis Studies Club was super vocal about because last year that wasn't the biggest, uh, as big of a thing. And we were vocal about it. We're like, hey, once again, like you're teaching us all these things. Let's make sure they actually like are parallel to what the people in the industry are asking us to know when we graduate. Yeah. Um, and that was super helpful because I think the administrators listen 
and then realized how important that was because I think they realized that there were a couple core things within the industry that they were uh, not necessarily going into as much as they should have. And now we have guest lecturers coming in to talk about those nooks and crannies of the industry that Good. weren't so known, I guess. Yeah. And that, and that's the power of a university is that they can mm-hmm. assemble all of these things in, in one place. So um, sure. probably going to wrap it up here in the next few minutes. So what questions, thoughts, concerns do you have for me? Um, well, one of my big ones was going to be uh, basically just talking about veterans and what kind of stuff we could do in that realm to do some sort of fundraising. Because one thing we want to do on campus is uh, make a positive impact, right? So even if it's non-candidate specific, even if it's like raising money for a good cause in some realms uh, adjacent to cannabis or something, uh, that's that's what we're trying to work on. So I'm, I'm glad we talked about that a little bit. Um, but I guess a question for you would just be, what's like the biggest thing that you would want our university administrators to know um, the people who write the curriculums, like what's a really important thing for them to not overlook? Is there anything that you see uh, as like a super incredibly uh, important skill to have in the cannabis industry that might just not get imparted through a typical university education? Uh, yeah. Okay. So the first one and, and understanding that this is, that uh, this is a, huge boulder and it's just going to take time but mm-hmm. using the lobbying pressure that that the university has to amplify the need for federal reform first of all the the fact that you guys cannot actually use cannabis or don't have a, a cannabis cultivation a garden that that puts you as a student as a disadvantage and I completely agree. And yeah, there's a ton of stuff you can do with hemp and CBD and everything like that. But it's, you know, it's like saying, uh, you know, it's like saying elephants and people are, are all mammals. Yeah. Okay, cool. Great. But they're not yeah. the same. So that's, exactly. that's the, the first thing. totally different yeah. and the repercussions are totally different. So, but as, as far as like, what can we do tomorrow? <laughs> um, you know, that's a, that's a, that's the war, but what are some things yeah. that, that they could do tomorrow? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think the first thing is understanding the power of the soft skills and cannabis is relationship based. And so yep. making sure, and I'm just going to focus on the business students, making sure that the business students understand that this, this industry is done by the phone at a certain point in time i'm I'm not going to text or facebook message or instagram anybody i'm going to call and yeah. having students understand the importance of reputation building that and they, they seem like basic things but being able to talk on the phone in a concise way and say hey this is matt hoff and i'm calling you today because i want to i want to help staff your company that's why i'm calling boom that's it simple effective communication skills and then understanding how to develop a, a I guess you could say a persona but really it's, a, it's a reputation those two things are going to carry someone in the business world in cannabis further than anything else 
So that's not like, that's not that's not revolutionary. You know, that's not revolutionary. But it's important. It is. And it's something that younger people like yourself or people that are early in their in their entrepreneurial journey or or their careers don't understand that the importance of being able to write an email and not not write me a novel. Tell me what you want and do it quickly because I got other stuff to do. And so it's those soft skills of and even small talk. How do you how do you strike up a, a pleasant conversation in an elevator? How do you get what you want without just coming off and and just viewing people as utilities? How do how do relationship build? And then how to deepen relationships so those relationships can can take people to other things. So it's all the business soft skills. Have you practice pitching each other? If if you have a business plan, then they call it an elevator pitch for a reason. So practice yeah. practicing your own. And these are things because you're part of a part of a club, you have the authority to do within the club. So I would practice mm. the the interview skills and I would practice warm introductions to each other. If if I was going to introduce you to somebody, I would give you a warm introduction. That's a skill. It's yeah. It's just those really soft overlooked skills that there was a story I read in the in the New Yorker that at NYU in the 50s and 60s there was a business class and the professor taught them <laughs> how to polish their shoes, how to shake hands, <laughs> how to read the newspaper, how to do all these like things that you would teach children. But what he was teaching yeah. them was all these soft skills of being a business professional. And I'm not saying you guys should sit around and polish your shoes or anything, but uh, just getting it from the, from business, getting comfortable talking. That is not a, that's not a weakness of yours. you got the gift of gab. Same as me. But, <laughs> I sometimes I have to rein it in a little bit. I, I tend to ramble because I have a lot of things on my mind, but, uh, but yeah. And, and that's, that's something too. And if you're aware of it, then, mm-hmm. then focus on that. And then also um, practicing being comfortable in front of, in front of cameras. I've got a big 1980s camera. It's actually from a community college. It's a giant VHS camera. And I put an LED light on it and I was getting ready to do a lot of press. And I would, believe it or not, I would get nervous and start sweating. and I would physically shake. I would get so nervous. And I thought, oh, this isn't a good look. So I would, I put, the phone on my desk and do just do my business calls. And I would have this big giant, I mean, it's huge. It looks like a movie camera because it is. I would have it right in my face and I have the led on, on bright. And it made me so uncomfortable for about <laughs> three days to have this thing just on me. But after, after a while, I just got so used to it. So in front of a camera, I'm very comfortable. That's a skill. Yeah, it is. So it, it's trivial kind of quirky little things like that, that I'm a little more focused on on what you could do in a club because that's really unique because you don't need permission to do anything. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. So focusing on the soft that business is skills. Cool to focus on. Yeah. Um, interviews. Practice your interviews. Oh my God. 
interviews are interviews are scary and you may you may be awesome you may be the the best fit for that company ever but if you don't interview well then then maybe you don't get that job so practicing your interviews and your resumes making sure that your resume Mm -hmm. is for the job you want specifically in cannabis so that's that's things that again you can do at the club level but the from the university university's perspective the program being so young they are going to want to get you guys out there and gainfully employed and then creating fantastic careers that they can say hey look at our alum look how good they are you should come to the cannabis studies so they'll be laughing all the way to the bank because that'll draw students in and that universities are businesses so making sure that the career placement center is prepared and understands the language of cannabis to make your resumes and and to prepare you to interview in the world and that's that's something that our cannabis the nonprofit organization that's something that we can help and we can we can help with providing some of the language to the university or we can help you practice interviews and resume reviews with with the students with your club and it, it costs nothing that's it's a nonprofit, so that's what we do. But sure. that would be some guidance that I would I would give to the university is they should be able to do that in house and and not need our cannabis to come in and, and help them. And it's really just yeah. so what you could do is you could provide or have any guest lecturers that come in have the have the uh, career counselors sit in and participate. And I don't know how engaged they are with, with your curriculums or not, but having them understand what it is you guys are actually doing and your goals and the language, that would be a big, that would be a big help for everybody. I completely agree. That's all good stuff. Yeah, and was, I, I think was good. I've actually seen your company or your nonprofit, whichever one. Um, I think I've seen you online advertising those resume builders because i think that's the super important skill as well i think i think that's something that i'm probably going to pitch to my club at our meeting tonight uh and say hey that's something we should do before year end uh is uh get everybody together and meet with either school faculty or find somebody like you in the industry who can help us fine-tune our resumes for the cannabis industry because i agree there is different language use and there's different uh, there's different skills needed. So. Yeah, absolutely. And we we have classes starting in November, and then they'll be every week. And it's just over Zoom because that's the world right now. But mm-hmm. if you talk to your you talk to your group, and that's something you want to do, then we'll just set up a private Zoom for for your club, and we'll we'll walk you all through the process. It's, we're happy to do that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right. Well, do you have anything else that you want to ask or go over? I just want to say one more thing. Um, You mentioned how important relations were in this business. I just want to reiterate that um, because I, one of the things that, that springboarded me into being so involved with the club and the the university and not just being a student taking classes here um, is because I went to a, uh, it, it was called Cannabis Connection Mixer downstate. It was uh, yeah. Jamie Cooper's uh, Sensei Mag whole yep. thing. Um, and they, I met a bunch of amazing people. I met uh, Jamie and Kyle, and I met um, 
who else did I meet? I met some really amazing people while I was there. Um, I met uh, Steve Raddick. I met uh, somebody from Securitech, and I'm blanking on their name right now, but um, a bunch of amazing people from the industry. And they were asking me questions. Like, they weren't just like, oh, you're in university. That's so cool. I bet you know everything. They were like, are you guys talking about this? Because this is a huge area that we're having issues right now. And and this is a problem that needs to get fixed in the industry and nobody's doing anything about it or one or two people are, but it's not moving because it's not getting the right attention. So that, that connection mixer, that, that networking event where I met all those different people in the industry for the first time, that catapulted me into wanting to make sure that the curriculum that we offered was aligned with what they were expecting us to know because it became very clear to me that night over a year ago um, that we weren't, we weren't 100% spot on where we needed to be. Hmm. And that's why I became so involved with the admins, the deans of the schools, talking their ears off. I'm sure they all are so annoyed by me now <laughs> because I, I'm constantly in their ears like, hey, we should, we should look at this. We should talk about this thing. And, and, you know, these classes should be tweaked and we should offer this. And these classes should be offered during the summer. And so I am trying to give them that that pressure a little bit because I know how administration works and if, if you don't keep pressure on administration things fall through the cracks and die and don't get done mm. so I think just yeah networking and that public relations and that knowing people and cultivating those relationships so that you can learn what you are expected to know <laughs> so that you can make sure you're learning the correct information is all super important and I thought you uh, you did a really good job explaining that so well, yeah, thanks. And, you know, I, I saw you all over Facebook and I went, okay, this kid, this, uh, this kid's after it, like, cool. And yeah, and I'm trying to trying to learn what, what is going on. I don't want to just see somebody who is a, you know, a part of the industry. I want to understand all the different parts of the industry. Well, and that, so. that, that boils down to attitude and you've got two things going for you. You got the right attitude and you're putting in the effort. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you for a, for a fact, those two things right there, Forget about everything else that you have going on, which is great. Those two things right there are the the ingredients for a very successful career in the cannabis industry. It just boils down to attitude and effort. And I don't know everything, not even close. I know I'm, <laughs> I'm an expert's expert in, in cannabis operations. That's what I know. I can grow weed. I can sell weed. I know how to do that. But I don't know how to yep. do everything else. I'm a hack at everything else. And mm -hmm. it's, it's okay to not know everything. And if you don't know something, just say, Hey, I don't know, but I'll find out. Exactly. And yeah, that'll, that'll carry you. That, that'll carry you. That's where that, that's where that networking comes in. Right. So areas I identify as weak spots for me, I learn who is good at it and I mm -hmm. give them all the respect. And I'm like, Hey, you're way more knowledgeable than me impart some wisdom on me, man, or, or woman, or, Hey, teach me some stuff. Like I'll put in that sweat equity. I will, I will work for that knowledge. So yeah. I think that's the, the attitude to have in this industry for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with me. It's really been really insightful about the college experience around cannabis curriculum. And if you would send me those, send me the contact for Matt and it'll take some doing, but I, I very much would like to to solve that problem for him. And I know that there's, I think that'd be amazing. there's people that would, would very much like to help him as well. So 
hand that off to me and then we can go from there. For sure. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, giving me a little platform and, and taking the time to hear what I had to say. Happy to. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Okay. So it's time for the after interview review. And we just got off the phone with Alistair and he is a young man at Lake Superior State and he is driven. He's ambitious. I, we were having discussions last year about coming up and making presentations to Lake Superior State. And I said, look, <laughs> it's, I'm not driving up there in the winter. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we put a hold on it and, um, and, and then coronavirus. So <laughs> it's good to reconnect, but he has been, he's not kidding. When he said that he is out there, he is out there. He's really pushing his, his school and he's pushing the work that's being done up there. And I think it's great. I think that he's aware of the pluses and minuses that come with, with the university. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't seem like he's just got rosy glasses on or anything like that. Um, you know, there are, there are benefits and there are, there are pros and cons to, to it. And it seems like he's making the most of it. And it sounds like Lake Superior State is helping him make the most of it. And I think that's really encouraging that, that the university is, is that tuned in, is that willing to, to listen to their students. So that's fantastic. So I have no, I have no horse in the race for whether someone goes to or doesn't go to Lake Superior State, I makes no difference to me, but I just, I like the fact that, that they're engaged with the student body and they're making these adjustments. The reasons they're doing that doesn't, doesn't matter to me. It, it's important that they're, they're taking those steps. And there are other universities that uh, don't, and I'm not going to name names of them, but that I, I I don't recommend, and uh, and they're in northern Michigan, <laughs> so there's that. Definitely gonna edit that out. <laughs> but anyway, I think that with the education that Alistair's getting and his interest, that he he'll be successful in whatever it is that he does. It sounds like he has a pretty specific goal in mind for what he wants to do when he walks, when he walks across that stage. And I think that's fantastic. I didn't have that when I was his age, so that's really good. And it sounds like the school helped him in the way that they, they should help kind of guide him into his path. So that's fantastic. I am curious to, to get in touch with Matt and it's Matt's helping Matt's, but you know, that, uh, that definitely struck a nerve with me in that, that the GI Bill paid for his education. And then when he declared a cannabis degree, they shut it down. And that's not okay. And I think that as at least my position within the industry and the people that support our cannabis and that, that like to tip the scales of, of inequity and, and solve problems. I don't, we're not going to stand by and, and watch that happen. So we're going to get a solution for this, for this man and, and get this taken care of because really it is when you, when you join the cannabis industry, you become one of us and 
as we heard from the previous interview with Nicole, it, it, it's harsh and kind of brutal in some places and in other places it's not. And at least here where, where we are, wherever I am, I'm going to do whatever was in, within my ever growing power to, to take care of the people that are, that are with us. And if you're in the cannabis industry, you're with us. And if there's anything that, that we can do to help you, we absolutely will. And that's the point in the podcast is to show a light into the different sectors of the cannabis industry. And if you are a person that needs help with a resume, a practice interview to sharpen your skills, to get a job in the cannabis field, then go to ourcannabis.org, O-U-R-Cannabis.org, and register for a class. It costs nothing, and it could change your life and get you a career in the cannabis field. So this has been Matt Hoffman, and I look forward to seeing you in the cannabis field.